With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Football Social Daily. Premier League Review. Hello and welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. Every Sunday we review every match in the Premier League. The big games, the big moments and the invariable VAR controversies. As always, we're talking about all the Premier League results and also about some of the things that have happened around the game. My name is Ant McGinley and I'm joined in the studio by Jay Motti of Full-Time Devils. Hi, okay? Very well. We've also got Man City fan Adam Keyworth. Hello, you alright? And football journalist Fearless Fergal Brennan. Hello. Uh, We start straight away, we're just going to get into this because there's no way of dressing it up, on an issue that's once again overshadowed events on the pitch at Tottenham. We're coming in, recording this in the studio you know, about half an hour after the game has finished, just to give us the facts, Virgil, you're a football journalist, what's actually happened in the game? Uh, so the issue centred on after the sending off of Song Hyung Min. So South Korean international was sent off 62, 63 minutes for a bit of a late challenge on Antonio Rudinger. And then approximately three, four minutes later, there's an announcement made over the Tannoy at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium to warn against racist chanting that was coming from the stands and the threat that if it continued then action would be taken by the match officials. Now, that was reiterated twice more in the closing stages. So the, three times in so total. Three times in total. Okay. The final one coming in, uh, I think it was the third minute of added time. Um, prior to that, between the second and third time, the referee got the two captains together, Harry Kane and Cesar Azpilicueta, to speak to them to obviously see if that would have some sort of uh, effect on the crowd. Uh, it didn't. Uh, and the third announcement was made with about 30 seconds of the game to go. As you mentioned, obviously we're recording this at the, uh, pretty quickly after the game, um, so certain conclusions haven't been reached yet as to who was to blame or exactly the direction of it. The allegation at the moment is that it was Rudiger that the abuse was directed towards, but obviously that's still being investigated at this stage. Um, but I'm sure we can all admit a pretty disappointing, pretty shameful day for, for Premier League football, but the facts are, are still being ascertained. But the overarching message is a, a pretty shameful day. Uh, well, it's, this is the first time this protocol, as it's called, has been actioned in the Premier League. So 
in, in a sense, it's actually quite a historic day. Um, it possibly could have been even more historic had we got to the ultimate, um, what's the, the the end game of that protocol. Adam, you've got the, the actual protocol, because yeah. this comes from FIFA, doesn't it, not from the FA? So, as far as we're aware, and a lot of journalists have said about this, that FIFA have a protocol that all competitions are told to follow, but it's not a rule. And the, the protocol is, there's a three stages. First one is stop the match, instruct the stadium authorities to read out an announcement, calling upon spectators to stop. Second one, if the announcement doesn't have the desired effect, make another announcement, suspend the match, send the players to the dressing room for a specific period of time. And the third step, like you call it the end game, after consultation, abandon the match if the behaviour does not cease or breaks out again. So we saw today three announcements, so on that basis, the, the game shouldn't have continued. But just like with VAR and other things that the Premier League have, we seem to not quite be up to date with uh, with these protocols. Now, I, I'm only aware, I know this happened a few other times in some other games, but the other game that comes to mind was the recent England game. Interestingly enough as well, again, Harry Kane involved, I'm not suggesting that Harry Kane's <laughs> responsible for this at all. He's captain. But, but he's captain. And, and yeah. suddenly now this is putting a lot more pressure on, on that captain's role. Now, with the, with the game, I think, was it Bulgaria? Bulgaria. Bulgaria. Yeah. Um, again, they had this situation where the announcement was done twice, and then the captain came together, and in that game they decided to carry on and play, and and they made that decision on the pitch. But that whole thing of saying let's do it twice seems like we were talking about this in the office earlier, me and Fergal, when it happened as we were, the game was on. Uh, it seems very strange to have this thing of going, oh well, you could be racist once, okay, you could be racist, just don't do it three times. And I, yeah. I think when you look at how the rest of society deals with it, so for example, uh, something you see public transport, right? you know, we will not tolerate abuse towards our staff. You see this in a lot of different places, a lot of different, and stores as well. Everywhere you go, you will see this around. And I think if you were verbally or racially abusive towards somebody in that room, they wouldn't go, oh, you can have that one, that's free. And they would just do a little announcement to everybody on the, the cornflake aisle in, in the supermarket. <laughs> and then we'll go, okay, now that's enough, you're off. I, you know, it, it, But then I, I suppose the thing is, is there a better way of doing this? Is is this a good step towards it? Is there... I, I don't know. Just the the other thing on that is as well that you say like, you, you can do it once, you can do it twice. I think, and the thing about the captains is too much pressure now on the captains to do anything. I, I know they are the leader of the team and all that sort of stuff, but there should be a rule and you follow the rule. You, you can't say, yeah, we're going to carry on. But in another game, they might say, right, we're taking them off. Should just be someone's job to say, it's happened, there's been an announcement. You can't not... So like you say, you can do it once, you can't, but if it does carry on, then you, you just go, you're off. I mean, the thing is, that there doesn't have to be rules about this. I mean, we, we've seen, if we look yeah. at other sports, I'm instantly thinking of Colin Kaepernick in the NFL. Yeah. Now, that that was not a policy, it was not a protocol, it was he kneeled during the national anthem as, as a protest, right? Yeah. And... We've seen all the things that that's caused and obviously it's involved the president and all these different people have got involved and that's had a detrimental effect on his career. So you can understand the pressure that would have on individuals. But also at the same time, surely there's an opportunity for football here to to step up and, and do something and say, we're not going to tolerate this, we're not going to accept it. Yeah, so everyone's sad and everyone is right in saying it's a society thing. It's a society thing that's bleeding into football. It's not that football alone is is ridden with awful people. There's just bad people around and they are 
it, you can't really tar all football fans with it. But it is an issue. It's a it's a bigger issue than it has been it, even in my lifetime. I haven't really yeah. seen a lot of it going to the game for 15 years until the last few years. And it's it's getting worse because we've talked about it twice in two weeks. Mm. And we may, may not have talked about it for a year before that. I, th- I think it's even a little more complicated than saying bad people. I think that there are good people that yeah. have outdated views. Yeah, yeah or, 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 or views that aren't tolerated in the wider society that football now operates in. Yeah. And and rightly so, I would say. Yeah, we, we were saying before in, in the office that there are chants from five years ago, like we were talking about the park, park, yeah. park, um, with the John O'Shea bit at the end. Yeah. That at the time was almost accepted and it was widely sung. And you look at that even now, five years later and go, you can't. You just but you can't. That, that's not just so, in football. You look at TV shows like exactly. The Inbetweeners, for example. Yeah. You know, we we now know that is that's bad. You can't do that. We probably knew at the time, but I think the the view has rightly changed in one direction. But like you say, there's still some people who think I, I don't even think they think it's accepted. I don't think they're doing it thinking, yeah, this is fine. I think, as you said earlier, oh, this might get under the skin. But what they're doing is well, it's illegal as well. That's the other thing. It's not just wrong. It's not just morally wrong. It's it's a, an illegal thing to do. So I, I wonder sometimes whether it's that facelessness, whether we've seen on social media yeah. people hiding behind an account who've said pretty abhorrent things towards yeah. players mm. and, and other fans, and whether that there's that element in a crowd where you sort of think like you can get away with it mm. because you're in a crowd and no one's going to know it's it's you. It's that individual who's taking part. They just say, oh, it's, it's fans. Yeah. And whether that emboldens people as well. I mean... In terms of, you know, what can you do about it, it's, it's a massive question and one that's, you know, I wish I could answer and I, I can't. But I think one of the, the big shifts in, in attitudes for racism I saw growing up was how it wasn't accepted by fans in the ground. Fans in the ground, if they saw someone being racist, wouldn't join in, they wouldn't have it. You know, I started going to football in the sort of mid to late 80s and, up, well, throughout that, I just saw racism become less and less frequent until the point where if someone was racist around you, you know, someone would tell the stewards or someone would kick off of them mm. and fans just wouldn't accept it. And I don't know, I'm not saying fans have to police the ground and start chucking people out, but I think if you have that attitude, you know, going back, you mentioned earlier the City fan. Yeah. Every City fan I know absolutely was disgusted <coughs> with him. Well, he got yeah. carted out. Yeah, by and it's like, you know, yeah. that sends a message to the other fans who might think, oh, I can get so away with it. this was the, the incident in the Manchester the Derby, Derby yeah. where yeah. The, the City fan was, was singled out part of, Sin making uh, what seemed to be monkey chants towards yeah, Fred. Yeah, gestures towards yeah. Fred, yeah. Um, and no one really defended him. No, I didn't see anyone defending him. No one excused him. Everyone yeah. was sort of saying, and this is City fans I'm talking about, mm. obviously United fans were pretty against him. But we're saying, you know, we don't want this. He's embarrassing our club. We don't want him here. And I think that is what you need. Not saying please him, but that sort of, the atmosphere of we're not going to tolerate you it. And people it, yeah. know that if they're in the ground and they're feeling a bit excited because they've had one too many shandies and they just, angry at the world they can't take it out on a person who's a different background yeah. from them because it's not going to be accepted they are going to get grassed up for want of a better expression and the fans around them aren't going to put up with it yeah. and I think that's that can help and I think you can work with fan groups you can work with people online you can work with even dare I say fan channels I know they're not yeah, exactly yeah. popular at the minute but coming from a fan channel background I'll say it to make it sort of obvious to anyone that you're not going to have it and I'll say this just quickly I think you need to get away from. We need to get away from tribalism on this, and just defending our own. And you know, yeah. oh, it's it's ever against Suarez, so we'll take sides and all that nonsense. 
And one of the things that United people point out to me is we've got a very high arrest rate for racism. And I'm actually almost proud of that because I think it's if people, are, yeah, people yeah. are doing it in Old Trafford, they're getting called out on it and getting nicked and getting served and good riddance to them. Yeah, mm. there's, we were saying as well before we came on the show that the guy who did the monkey gesture at City United, his his life has changed forever because of that. Yeah, And yeah. do you know what? Rightly so. He He thought that he'd get away with it. He's live on Sky TV. But he also thought he was acceptable. Yeah, he thought yeah. he was acceptable. Yeah. He thought he'd get away with it. He's live on Sky TV. His work life is now is now in the toilet. Yeah. His his friends and his relationships yep. now know him as this racist monkey gesture guy off telly. Yeah. That's that's what we can do as fans, I think, to to try and help this obvious issue that's going on and and we'll probably continue to go on I, that we call it out. Mhm. And we let it be known that you are now the face of that idiot who did that thing, and it just won't it just won't be accepted it, by anyone else. It's it, it's it's a massive issue, but I think we're heading towards now, and what we've seen today with it with with this protocol being activated although not followed through is we're facing the potential, especially with all the games that we got over Christmas, we could be seeing a game even over the Christmas period that is stopped. That that the and what do football pitch. fans not want to see in a football game? The game being cancelled. The game being cancelled. Am I right? Can I, sorry, forgive me if I'm wrong here, but am I not right in thinking that the people that allegedly did the racist chanting yeah. were on a team on the team that was winning? Mm. So the game could have got stopped. And then how, what, would the game have got cancelled? What, what no, happened I think then? It, yeah, it was Tottenham fans. Yeah, yeah that's, that's the allegation as it is at the as moment. It is, it is, I yeah, know yeah. we have to be so careful. They were, they were losing. So they were losing. Oh, right, sorry. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Yeah. Tottenham so, fans. Oh, so then what happened to the game then? Sorry. So the no idea, idea. will be if, if the protocol was followed to the letter, I, I think what's actually happened here is the referee, because there's also a factor here of referees and, and the human factor of the first referee that stops a game for, for racist yeah. chanting, the four of us in this studio would applaud him or her and the majority of people would applaud them and commend them for taking decisive action on, on what's pretty abhorrent behaviour. But they're also frightened as a person to be the first person to do that. Mm. And I think what's happened with the referee today is there was about 20, 30 seconds to go when the third announcement came mm. out. He just thought, I'll leave it. There's not enough time and left for this to be I, worthwhile. I and, I, and, I, and I understand that from a, hum, yeah. from a human factor. And to slightly tie in with what, what Jay was saying with, with self-policing, now we're seeing a situation within fans. We're all applying logic to this situation there is no logic to racism. So we, we've all you know, mm. had conversations where we've said, well, when I go to match, it never comes into my mind to say this or I haven't seen this or whatever. But that's because we apply logic to these situations. Mm. We've, been, we've all collectively been going to football matches for decades. We may have seen or heard things that were racist or were inappropriate at certain times. But now what's happening is, and, and Adam made this point before and he's absolutely right, we're seeing a resurfacing of this. And I think it's a myth to say, oh, these things have been knocking around for years. They haven't. Yeah. There was an enormous block when the Premier League came in where they made a concerted effort to get rid of this, to clean the game's image from what it was at the back end of the 80s. So this idea that, oh, you know, things get set at football matches, it's been going on for years. It hasn't. Yeah. And we can, we can see the example of that because the amount of racist incidents we've collectively seen at football matches, you could probably count on the fingers of one hand. Mm. So what's happening now is there's a legitimization because of wider factors that are occurring right mm. now that's allowing these horrendous views to creep back into Premier League football. There's an argument as well that I want 
to make very clear that's so badly wrong, and you see it on social media, and I've seen I've seen it countless times before. The derby today, uh, Spurs Chelsea, was Sunday at four thirty. Mm-hmm. The Manchester derby was at Saturday on Saturday at five thirty, and I've seen an opinion that is so so wrong <coughs> that needs calling out. That people saying, well, the Premier League shouldn't put games at, shouldn't put a derby at half five on a Saturday because people go out and drink all day. I can go out and have ten pints. I'm not going to turn into a racist at the game. It doesn't matter yep. when the game is. If mm. someone has those views, they'll let them be known at 12, 12 o'clock on a Sunday. It doesn't I th- matter. I think, sadly, two things. First of all, we're not going to solve this now. No. And secondly, <laughs> um, it's not going to be the last time we talk about this, even this season. However, what I would like to do, and this is not to ignore it, I, 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 th- I think it's important that we reflect what's happened today and talk about that. But let's not forget the game entirely because it was something of a tactical masterclass from Frank Lampard. That's the sad thing. It's taken us 15 minutes. We've not even talked about Chelsea winning away at Tottenham. We've not talked about Lampard beating Mourinho. We've had to talk about this ridiculous group, small group of people, whoever it ends up turning out to be. We've had to talk about that before the game. And like you said, Chelsea were brilliant. I think Spurs had, well, it was no shots on target at 70 minutes Mm. at home to Chelsea and that's embarrassing and w- Willian particularly had one of his great games yeah. uh, which yeah. I know he's kind of has a bit of a reputation for having one great game and then going missing for five but this was definitely up there with the great games interesting with the, the sun sending off not the aftermath of it but I, I watched that a couple of times it was very evocative of um, David Beckham's little <laughs> petulant flick that got him sent off in France 98 that little kick because it was like it, bit of a dodgy tackle and, and then it was the, it, I think it was the petulant kick yep. of the studs coming it's, up afterwards got him so. he's tried kicking him in the chest hasn't he but interestingly so with that the VAR got him sent off and also the referee missed the penalty in the first incident um, because if you've not seen this penalty yet uh, seek it out because it almost looks like a video game flying kick from the goalkeeper <laughs> the worst thing is he's so far away from the ball it's ridiculous. The ball's already gone, and then he's followed through with it. And Anthony Taylor, who I've talked about on the podcast before, is woeful as a referee. And was he the referee at the derby? Wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He's really, really bad. But this was worse than really, really bad. He gave the foul on the goalkeeper for that, and then VAR gave the penalty. So he's given the foul for. Get for Alonso clattering into Gazaniga when Gazaniga's five feet in the air with his feet up it's ridiculous but obviously that was definitely a penalty and Son that was definitely a red card and he's now been sent off three times this season yeah, more than any other Premier League player well, but don't forget he's not that kind of I was just going to say last time we were talking about him <laughs> we were saying he's not that type of player with, with the whole Andy Taylor and the referee thing and the penalty thing I mean it was the same as the Derby, wasn't it? it was, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. out to me, I thought. But it was the most nailed on penalty. It was the most nailed on penalty. It was a stone wall and you didn't give it. It was the other end from me. Yeah. And as and soon it as like, it happened, we all turned really? around and went, well, that's a penalty, isn't it? And then today, you've got a challenge. I was trying to think of the game for the older fans will remember. It was like, it reminded me of West Germany versus France in 98, 82. Schumacher. Schumacher. He just clattered him. Mm. And uh, But to not give it and give it the other way around, I think that's just poor refereeing. Yeah. That's, you can't just be saying, oh, well, VAR will sort that out. No, you've still well, got that, a job is, to do. Is this part of the change? VAR, I don't get it. Is this part of the change that we've seen now? Because it used to be that each game was almost its own entity. Whereas now that you've got VAR and this almost decision by committee, if you will, 
that it seems to be like going on case law and it's like this is this is the level this is the standard we get down to these little nuances so potentially it's a painful transitional season but we're going to move into like in in future I, years where it's going to be very I clear. don't think we will because the standard of refereeing is so low I mean I get what you're saying it, it makes sense so watch that challenge and to in your head think Alonso you're out of order yeah. is just is, baffling, is it is I it think. that I don't see how I don't even see how VAR the, the only, can excuse the, the, that. The only defence he's maybe got is the angle he was at when yeah, it happened. The, is it the, is it because yeah, of a maybe. safety net? Is maybe. it because he knows if he doesn't give it and he's wrong, it's going to be given anyway? It, is it that? But we'll talk about it later. But the Arsenal Everton game yesterday had yeah. two of the worst VAR cases I've, I've seen so far by by a country mile. And the thing we can this all, one I think we've all said as well the, yeah. uh, is that it's worse if you're in the ground. I think VAR. It's horrible. I think uh, bad enough watching it at home, sat yeah. on the couch. But we, when we, you're in the ground and there's just that uncertainty, and you sort of you've have celebrated a goal yeah. or whatever, or and then it's like, oh no, we it's got not that a goal. penalty yesterday, just, City. Like, and I waited. He gave it, and I waited because I thought this is probably going to get overturned, isn't it? But that's the default reaction now, as, as yeah. Jason. Whether you're in the ground Ming's or you're scoring, watching, that's at Old Trafford. That's yeah, the way you react to these situations now. Yeah. Um, let's, anyway, let's, the so we, 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 we've, we've done <laughs> like half the show already, and it's been sadly VAR and racism. Chelsea um, were really good. So <laughs> let's, let's give them that. that. So, so Lampard went to three at the back. Yeah. yeah. Um, why was that so successful against? Because Mourinho's done very well, especially in the Premier League, <clears> four out of five before this game. What was it that disrupted that? Especially when he's got the attacking prowess of Kane of Son that we all know very much about. I think the key to this is the return for Lampard of Fikayo Tomori. Now, everyone's discussed this season the great work that Lampard's done with these young players. And Tomori, in a, in a way, has almost flown under the radar because of the goals of Abraham and the goals of Mason Mount. But him coming back into that team shows just how important he is. Chelsea have had a little bit of a sticky patch uh, in the last few weeks. They've only won one in their last four before today. And Tomori's missed all of that through injury. They've gone back to four at the back. They've experimented with with different sets of threes. And ultimately, he's now in a position to say to Lampard, or, or Lampard thinks, I've got to get a 21-year-old into this team. That's mm. how impressive he's been to this system. And I think, to touch on what you said, Ant, about how this helped Chelsea kind of unlock themselves is, aside from Kante, they don't really have a capable tackling midfielder. I know Jorginho is a defensive midfielder, mm. But as someone to disrupt play and look to get the ball moving forward, Kante's the best at doing that. Mm -hmm. So in order to make sure that when you've got five players in midfield and attack that are very front foot forward, you need to make sure the back door is double bolted. And to do that, you generally see sides going with three at the back because they're able to say, we know there's this extra body here. You can do 10, 15% less of the defensive work that you might do if we were playing four at the back. And that's exactly what Chelsea did today and we, we saw them able to flood the midfield. They seem to have so much energy. I'll hold my hand up. I said on, on the previous show that the physicality of Tottenham's midfield might win the day. What happened here is the, the work rate and the buzzing around of Kante, Mount, Willian just was too much for Tottenham. Dyeb, Sissoko were lumbering around. They, they couldn't lay a glove on them in, in midfield. And then Willian obviously gets the two goals but there seems to have been a bit of a flow back in Chelsea. Mm. The Chelsea of October, November, um, and, it, and it's credit to Lampard that every game there's going to be a different style of question thrown at him. Can he deal with this? Can he deal with this? This has been grown over the last few weeks of, and, and you know, there's almost a kind of sycophant sense within some football fans where they're like, oh, I want it to be bad to see how he reacts. And, you know, they've been kind of pleased with the result today. We've seen how he reacts to, to this sort of controversy. And 
it'd be very easy for Lampard to get sucked in by Mourinho, by his games, by his tricks that he tries on managers. He hasn't. He's, he's risen above all that. That's and, twice now that he's yeah. taken on Mourinho and beaten him. He, Once with Derby in the Cup, in the cup yeah. and, and now in the league. He, he is every football fan. I, I will never say this again and don't take it out of context. I, I'm a bit jealous of the Chelsea fans because... Just because. Have you been did drinking you see, before you came Did you see his celebration? Did you see his celebration at the end? <laughs> did you see his celebration at the end with the fans? Yeah. I know that you've got a former player in charge, but, yeah. it's, but he's not on the the Lampard level of God at the club. You've got, you've got. No, I don't think you can quantify it. Right? You've probably got know. Lampard as their best ever player. Yeah, I suppose you now right, manager yeah. doing well, beating Spurs away. Yeah, and you've got that connection already from ten years of him playing there. Of he was like a fan at the end. Running up to the away fans, mm. jumping about. And Although stuff. interestingly, before the game, when he was being interviewed, yeah. the, he was saying, "I'm not looking at it as uh, <laughs> me against Mourinho. I'm just looking at it as the game, what's best for the team, and do that." Yeah. Obviously, there's a little bit of that person, and you would think it'd be nice to prove myself against it. Yeah. But he has that. So he has the talk beforehand, the professional. But then in the, the moment, is caught the up. End. The fan comes out, and and we like that, and we've seen that as well with Duncan yeah. Ferguson when yeah. he stepped I, in. At I really like mm. Lampard. And he's done very well. They've had a really tough patch. It's the first time, I think, where he's been challenged. And there, there was some question marks, not from the Chelsea fans, mm. but from people like us saying, oh, can can he overcome these next few games? But he's doing really well. He's the batting well above where they should be. And the, the, the great thing for me as well with this is because Tottenham didn't pick any points up today, it also means that Sheffield United going to Christmas in fifth place. Unreal. How On the blades. Unreal. Uh, and we have two very smug people. I know that nobody can see this, but they can hear it. Did you predict this? Fergal oh, and mate, and mate. both had Sheffield United in the top ten. Yeah, whereas yeah, I I had them to believers. Go That's what we are for the end of the season. We bo- we both said that they'll be good, and I had Villa to go down <laughs> and Sheffield United. To, I'm to I'm gladly very embarrassed by my. They will go down with the second lowest point tally of all time. <laughs> so that shows how much that shows. Wow, I'd forgotten that. Add on to that. That hey, shows. Well done. How much championship football I watched last season. <laughs> yeah, they're already on thirty no, twenty eight points already. Unbelievable. Yeah. That is outrageous. So, to be Amazing. fair, I mean, okay, this sounds a bit contradictory because you two guys have called it, but I didn't see this happening with Sheffield United at all. I don't think many people did, to be fair, unless you sort of an ardent we're, Sheffield United. We're, we're fan. gonna talk more about them, but let's we'll move on to it. another United now. Um, um, West Ham what happened that be? Yeah. Newcastle, uh, Newcastle now, yeah, let, let's we? do I'm the game out, today yeah. uh, <laughs> with, with, with Watford and uh, and Manchester United uh, nobody seen this game uh, I was watching the Grinch but, okay um, yeah. why don't right. you tell us what happened Jake I think you were watching I, the I Grinch will, as well I will tell you about it I, I didn't want to ruin my Christmas mood by watching this so I, I left it I, I will say Did one thing I will say one thing first here we go right? I know this because you Watford are decent coming. you know come right. on strong no, 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 form I was there after Derby Day right and, and Adam Keweth who's a mate of mine right a good friend of mine and a very professional person I hasten to add right was due to be on the show with me and I get a text 10 minutes before we start saying he can't make it because he's stuck on a training lead. Unreal. He's never been to Leeds in his life. Unreal. And, do you know, do you and know now, the now United are rubbish again, which didn't take long, granted. You, you, yeah, front and centre, you were here an hour early. I was here more than an hour early. I was waiting for you. <laughs> we, we've yeah. beaten Leicester and you've lost to... What did Watford before this game? They haven't won in Jay, 11. Jay, let's, let's, let's bring Sorry. it back to today. Sorry. Talk Sorry. about how the football is today and stop living in the past. That's all I've got. Come on. Uh, Come on, mate. So, so basically, scarce. and uh, to be fair, to be fair, from last week when Watford went up against Liverpool, 
there was an instant transformation. They were and quite good. They, they, yeah. But the, compared to what you've seen the rest of the season, there was something very different. The The big problem was in front of goal, they just looked like they'd not seen the ball there all season. Today was Which slightly they different. Can, can I just say yeah, one thing? They haven't. <laughs> and people are going to absolutely hammer me about this, including United fans. United fans will be the worst Let for me, me saying this. But I will say it anyway. Yes, tactically, Oli needs to get his act together against the so-called lesser teams. But he's not helped by individuals who make glaring mistakes. And I'll start with Jesse Lingard, and I'm probably one of Jesse Lingard's biggest fans, genuinely. I've stuck up for him so many times, I've lost count. He's through one-on-one. He's not had a shot on target or a goal in 12 months. And he's trying to chip the keeper. Now, I'm I sorry. See this. Do, you, do you think that's that, because he's seen Jamie Vardy the day before? God knows. He should watch more of Jamie Vardy, really. Because Jamie Vardy scores loads of goals. So I'm thinking, why has he done that? Just hit the target. He's not even had a shot on target for a, a year or something in the Premier League. Hit the target. There's, you know, there's a gaping goal there for you. But he doesn't. He chips. It goes over. Hey, so that's He landed on the roof of the net. Man, right? it, oh, the net okay, he lands on the roof of the net. Well, then, that, we get, do we get goals for that? Do we half a goal? No. Right. A little then, round of applause. Yeah. Yeah. Well done. Pat on the back. Um, you've hit the roof of the net against. You did tell him to well hit done. the net. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Me, me, needed to be clearer. Then we have David de Gea now. I was talking about this on another podcast a few days ago. Having De Gea as a shot stopper, I love him. Con- um, commanding his area and his distribution is really questionable to the point where Sergio Romero isn't that far away from a starting place in Manchester United. Now, I know that sounds crackers, but genuinely, if you watch David De Gea since probably post-Tottenham last season till this season, he's not in the best form at all. So I, I saw a quote today which Go said, uh, before the game, he's only had two clean sheets this season. Now, is that down to him or is that down to the defence? Both. Because Genuinely. The, so the interesting thing is, obviously the acquisition of Harry Maguire yeah. was one of the things that was supposed to shore up the defence. He's more expensive as a defender than Virgil van Dijk, but we've seen the impact that van Dijk has had on Liverpool yeah. in terms of uh, they're the leading the way in terms of clean sheets and winning games and seeing games out, and the effect that he's had on the players around him. Now, maybe Maguire just isn't at that stage yet in his career. Well, there's, there's several things there, and I'll address them one by one. I don't think Harry Maguire is as good as Virgil van Dijk. I'm, you know, I'll never claim that. I think Virgil van Dijk is arguably the best centre-back on the planet. I th- also think Virgil van Dijk came into a team that had a better defence. You know, Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson aren't garbage. Matip and Gomez are decent defenders. Mm-hmm. And also, people forget, Tr- um, van Dijk had, I wouldn't say road, but he had a few games where it wasn't great when he started against Swansea away, I remember, yep. him getting beat in the end, they lost. And also, Klopp went out and bought him a keeper, in the in the summer because obviously they had um, issues with the, the goalkeeper Loris uh, Carius and Mignolet yeah and Mignolet so he bought a, you know he spent a lot of money on a keeper showed up the midfield as well um, I think Naby Keita came in um, which helps um, so he had a good sort of base around him now Harry Maguire's come in and you've got Vitsa Lindelof who has just gone off the boil completely Adam Wambasaka's doing okay we've had issues at left back since Patrice ever retired or left yeah. sorry left, went to Juve even being honest we have yeah yeah in so, terms of a consistent yeah, option there, so yeah. he's coming to this and he's got David De Gea in the worst form of his life so it's not like you can blame it all on Maguire yes he should be playing a little bit better but it's not all, all his fault I think you, you look at what's around him it doesn't help and going back to the whole De Gea point you know the goal that we conceded the first goal on the back you know Jesse scores out with 1-0 up and we should have been but well, then you go sort of fast forward to the second half it's a save that not just David De Gea, any professional goalkeeper can make. It's barely a shot. It's sort of like a glorified pass back towards his face. And somehow it ends up going through his hands into the goal. 
Does it hit his face? Does it go no, through? no, it's just above his head, sorry. Right. But it's so bread and butter. If anyone watches it, it's it's so soft. It's no, there's no power in it. It's it's almost floated towards him, literally. And he, he somehow, it's almost like he almost pushes it into the goal. I'm, is, I'm it, trying to, sorry, describe, is, I'm trying is, to do the emotions that isn't helpful for listeners. Yeah, do you think he's ever almost pushes it into the goal? The, the way you're recreating it then, it's, it seems to me it's almost like there's the passage coming in and it's so soft, he's suddenly gone, did I leave the oven on? Right? Yeah. And it's just, he's, he's, his thinking's oh. gone away for a moment <laughs> and that's what's happened. Genuinely, it's like, he's yeah, he's, he's something's caught, you know, they've locked the front door or whatever and it's like gone through his hands, gone in. And everyone's like, oh, what, what was going on there? But it was early in the second half, so there's lots of time left. But then um, one player who defensively has been good this season is Aaron Wambasaka, but then he gives away a penalty, which was relatively needless, to be honest with you. Harry Maguire had it covered, gives away a penalty. Troy Deeney buries it. We bring on Paul Pogba. That's four penalties Troy Deeney scored against United as well. Like in, I uh, hate the sight of Troy Deeney. I really do. Um, Lovely bloke, though. Yeah, yeah no, I like nice the guy. Like and after afterwards. the match, yeah, yeah. If, you watch, if, you, if you yeah, listen to any it. post-match interview this season, listen to his. It's yeah, brilliant. So and even as a beaten United fan, I'll admit that. Um, we bring on Paul Pogba, who is easily United's best player in his 40-minute or 35-minute cameo by a country mile. So we know what we've been missing with him because he was... It just made me think I wish he'd have started him because he was... I wouldn't say brilliant, and it's, but it's, very, very do, good. Do you think that's a, it's just a fitness issue, bringing him back in? That's only where he played the last 30 minutes. I think that can only be the... I mean, let's not... Without... Again, I don't want to sort of dance on Jesse Lingard's corpse, but you don't pick Jesse Lingard ahead of Paul Pogba unless it's fitness. All right. Let's just park United there for a minute. Let's, let's talk please. about what... Can we continue? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no so, so honestly, you because the thing is... Well, so what my, my question is, and we, we've seen this with a few teams over the years, but Nigel Pearson <clears> has hardly had any time to work with those players and the last two performances he'd give has been so different we also saw something similar yeah. with Duncan Ferguson the few games that he had at Everton before Ancelotti was announced that just I, I don't think if we got a new boss here that our performance would be that different <laughs> I don't think in any, any, any job you could have that change like, other, like, you can't it, improve on excellence that's why yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, if any prospective yes. new bosses are listening we are fully flexible to any necessary changes I mean like massages <laughs> and maybe like you know a bar in the studio might help but like I mean just that takes time to get you know hire those people yeah. to come in so so Fergal you, you watch probably more football than all of us in terms of across the whole spectrum of it. It, it what do you think it is um, I think for, for Watford and for Pearson Pearson's got a brief and the club now have got a brief it might not be the most exciting situation but when you look at their their position at the start of the season inevitably with sides like Watford mid-table lower mid-table when things go well for them there's some fans that will become unrealistic I'm not obviously saying the majority of Watford fans but on the back of the FA Cup run last season, and yes, they, they were hammered in the final by, by Manchester City, that ultimately, for me, dug Javi Garcia's grave. Because then when he started the season, and yes, he was poor, his argument of, lads, we're Watford. Like, this is generally what happens. We got battered in the FA Cup final. Do you not watch it? And then when he loses his job and Kike Flores comes in, there was no sort of plan for, for what Flores was going to bring or, or what he was expected. And things nosedived from there. It might, as I say, it mightn't be the most exciting or, or positive situation for Watford fans or for Pearson, but it's clear now what they are, what they have to do, and what they're going to do. And we saw a bit of that at Anfield last week. But Jay's not going to thank me for rubbing it in. But that was his game plan to a T against United. And, and we mentioned this on the, the preview show on Friday. What this did was they got the ball and just threw it at United and said, "Come on, break us down." 
Mm. Because we know we've got Deeney up top, who's now back fit. And I almost think there's a case to say that if Deeney hadn't gone in for the surgery, Garcia or maybe Flores would have kept their job because he's that central to them. And that's that's what they did. They know they've got a physical presence up front and, and also with Saar. They've got a set-piece threat with some big defenders. They don't need to go and pull teams to pieces. They need to be solid, resolute, and see if they can get a goal as they did today. You, you say that, and that's spot on about um, they now have a plan and they now have what they need to do. I got murdered on this podcast at the start of the season uh, by Watford fans afterwards because of me saying about them sacking Grazia. He just got them to an FA Cup final. He'd, he'd had a really, really strong season with them mm-hmm. and they sacked him for a former manager in one of the weirdest appointments in a long, long time. And yeah. also weirdly, Grazia was the first Watford yeah. manager in a long time that had been given a contract extension because previously, yeah. from, from his, how he'd performed the previous season, because they, 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 is it 12 managers in 10 years? Yeah. I think and, I, had? and I said, what do Watford fans expect? What what did they expect? No, sitting in your ivory tower. Hang on, there, you city hang fans. on. But now, <laughs> now they've they've had they've had all that storm gone. Yeah, that awful transition between those three managers, which was just a terrible end to what was quite a good tenure for Grazia. Yeah, and now they've been given a manager without any disrespect to Nigel Pearson. He's not as sexy as a Grazia as a even as like a Marco Silva that they've had. They've got Nigel Pearson who comes with his own reputation yeah. of keeping teams up and, like you said, making them solid. Yeah. And it, it's not going to be dead exciting for Watford, but, but what they can expect now, they finally have an expectation and it's stay up. Let's not forget that Nigel Pearson kept Leicester up and the next and then season they won the league. They won the league. So um, Watford fans expect yeah, to win the league next get year. The, see what the odds Bookmark are. Bookmark that right yeah, now, Jay, because yeah. you can say next year, well, we got beaten by the eventual champions. Well, yeah, the champions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, those, Can't you argue can with a, champions. You can have a bus tour for that. Right, let's take a little <laughs> break now and then we're going to come back. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, <coughs> Man City against Leicester. The, the, the tell the two cities vying for uh, second place, it looks like, this season. And also, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about one team who didn't play in the Premier League yesterday because they had a particularly good game. Plus, we'll cover all the other fixtures as part of the Premier League Review Show. Football Social Daily Premier League Review Sports Social Welcome back to the Football Social Daily. This is the Premier League Review Show. Uh, joining me in the studio, Phyllis Fergal Brennan, our football journalist. Hello. And uh, fact checker, shall I say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, rather miserable and disappointed Manchester United uh, fan from Full Time Devils. It's Jay Motti. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounding slightly more upbeat. And also uh, Man City fan uh, Adam Keyworth. Hello. Hello. And so let's talk about what happened at the Etihad then yesterday. Um, looked like a tough fixture. In the end, arguably City's best performance of the season. Comfortably our best performance of the season. Not going to. Not going to say anything other than I went into the game yesterday fully expecting us to get wiped out on the counter which is which is exactly what happened with that first goal exactly what happened early on and I thought oh god we're going to be in for this all game and Leicester at the start of the game did exactly what Leicester should have done ball over the top in between the fullback and the centre halves Jamie Vardy through and you know he's going to score one on one but we learnt from it which is unusual for us this city uh, this city this season we learnt from that mistake early enough and we, we were solid. Uh, there's a few dead obvious uh, mentions from yesterday, but we'll start the least obvious, Mendy, who had a good game 
it was probably the best he's played for us since his injury, which was great and really encouraging because I've I've been one of his big, biggest critics recently. He's had that knee injury. He came back. He wasn't the same player. Uh, he was very good both going forward and he was excellent in the uh, the interviews he did after the game. If you've not seen the social media of his uh, Queen Liz headscarf that yeah, he had he was on. wearing a headscarf that was flowery, yeah. But do you know what? Crack on, lad. Play yeah. really well. You can you play can like wear that. Wear what you want. Wear whatever you want. Um, Mares was outstanding. He had ten shots against his former club. He should probably have had a hat trick. Only got one in the end. Uh, in what you described before as a carbon copy of the the De Bruyne goal against Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was outstanding yesterday. He didn't give Chilwell a second. Uh, he made Chilwell, who's been brilliant this season, look pretty average. Now, this is a player that's been linked with going to yeah, Manchester City. He, On that performance yesterday... It was quite funny. You had our left-back, who's been chastised by many, having such a good game, and the left-back, who a lot of people want to replace our left-back, having... Uh, well, he was basically torn apart by Mares, And then you've got Kevin De Bruyne, who is, for me, currently the best footballer on the planet. He at the minute he's on to match Thierry Henry's he, record of assists. He's already league. got ten. Um, he's he's already got yeah. He's he's got nine assists in the league and seven goals. And yesterday he was on a different planet to anyone else on the on the pitch. Which is how far he can kick the ball. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've never I've never seen a footballer who can use his brain and his brain tells his body what to do at such pace. It's terrifying the way that. He can pick the ball up and he's quite quick on the ball. But then when he has it, he knows exactly what's coming next. And it's not just he knows it, he can do it. And the assist for the Jesus goal is just amazing. He picks the ball up behind the halfway line. He beats Soyuncu, who's been one of the best centre-halves in the league this season. He beats him easily and finds Jesus at the back post. And he, at the minute, De Bruyne is just imperious. He's our best player. He's the best player in the league. I was worried when he went down, but it was cramp, I, I think, uh, towards the end. He won us the game yesterday. He, he holds all of the keys. And then what Pep got right yesterday was he had Bernardo Silva central, which we've not seen too much of this season. We've not seen enough of it. And he worked two people's jobs yesterday. He was back and forward, back and forward, winning the ball back on the edge of his own box. Was that was that affected by the fact that you had Rodri on the bench? Yeah. Right. Uh, I think, well, I've never seen Bernardo play so deep and it was good. He won the ball back a, a bit. He was cu- kind of playing that Kante mm. role, which was strange. Where, Interesting as well, because body size and shape-wise, yeah, they're, they're very similar, very similar stature. Like low centre of gravity, really <laughs> good with the ball, really good off the ball. He was really good. Gundogan was good. Uh, everyone had really good games yesterday. And it just seemed to click and it was it was really encouraging going into this period of fixtures that we seem to have found some sort of flow. And Pep said after the game that they, they tried a new way of pressing yesterday and you could see it. It was a very, very high press, not too far from what Liverpool have done so successfully this season, where it seems in the last few games we've sat off a little bit mm. and given teams too much time on the ball. We gave United far too much time on the ball because every time they got the ball on the counter, we were already two men behind them. So that was that was great, and I, Fernandinho again is he he's doing a job that he shouldn't be doing, and he's doing it so so well. He's thirty five playing centre half for and also for doing City it against one of the quickest players in the league at yeah. the minute. I mean, and to be honest, uh, Otamendi's not much quicker either. No, but no. Uh, so so just on that with Vardy. So Vardy scored again. Uh, his goal last week 
was given as an own goal by the goalkeeper. Right, me. rightly so. Um, He's got sixteen. Goals. But otherwise, that would have been that would have been nine nine games in a row where he scored. Um, is he? Not just the best English striker of the last twelve months. Is are we? Are you talking about that? Possibly the best striker in the Premier League. Is it? Is, is can you yes. say that? The num the numbers stack up. Yeah. and he he seems to have found a new, <clears throat> almost a new level under Rogers. Well, Rogers and, is talking about resting him over Christmas for at least one of the games as well because the schedule's so thick. I swear to God, if he does it against Liverpool. I, I no, will go round to his house. It's probably going to be the West Ham game. I will go round to his house and ruin his Christmas <laughs> if he does that. Um, um, Fergal, like you, you've seen, <laughs> you, you've seen Vardy over the years. He's playing better now than the season that Leicester won the league. Yeah. Is is it going to get to the point where there's going to be a call that Southgate can't ignore him that he's going to come back and and we can see him going to to the Euros. Well, the door's been, sorry, the door's been left ajar on that, and, and Southgate's played the situation well, where he said he's he's retired, but there's the the little asterisks of oh, in an emergency situation. I think if Jamie Vardy hadn't done this retirement from the England squad, I think he'd be starting for England. We'd be talking about mm. a, a different setup in terms of England's attack. Um, I think should that call come, should that conversation happen, it'd be very easy to play on Vardy's pride in playing for his country. Don't forget, he had to wait until his late 20s to even get an England cap, uh, let alone be mentioned in the first 11. I would say that Vardy and Leicester would say no. Um, I think the fact that he isn't playing for England has made a a really positive difference Mm. for him this season. The fact that Leicester are not playing in Europe, um, because at his age, 34, he's a freak of nature in the sense that not only is he playing better, but He's quicker. You look at his numbers in terms of sprints, 10, 20, 50 metres. He's getting faster. He's getting more efficient. He's looking leaner. He's he's actually looks in better shape than I've ever seen him Mm. uh, since he's been at Leicester. So I think, yeah, there'll be the inevitable clamour April, May time, particularly if the the goals are still flying. He's definitely going to get over 20. We could potentially be talking about 30 if he keeps going. Um, But I think Rodgers will be the key in all of this. Um, And Rodgers has touched on this in interviews of... Vardy is it's it's Leicester first. They're the priority, and 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 Rogers has played a as as um as you mentioned before. Rogers has played a role in this um this kind of renaissance of Vardy. He's been very clear of we've got a really young, quick side behind you that are able to change the ball around in midfield. The transitions are really really quick. You just stay within the lines of the eighteen yard box. You can stay forty yards from goal. We will get the ball to you. And there was no coincidence in the in the gap between. Ranieri and Rodgers when it was Shakespeare and then and then Claude Puel that Vardy was reportedly unhappy and that's because Leicester were going through the phases of play more and the ball wasn't getting up to him. Mm. Rodgers has come in and immediately recognised, I don't know whether Ranieri left an email or a spreadsheet or something <laughs> in the office when he went in and he went, here's a mad idea, let's play to the strengths of one of the best strikers in European football and, and that's exactly why Leicester mm. are where they are. Um, Jay, just looking at the table now, that brings Manchester City to within a point of Leicester City. Uh, Man City, 38 points. Leicester City, 39 points. Liverpool didn't play yesterday. Um, we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, they're on 49 points with a game in hand. Was was Manchester beating Leicester the best result for Liverpool? Or does, do you think this would scare them because this shows what Man City can do? I don't think City winning is ever a good result for Liverpool, if I'm being honest. Mm. I think... That whole team, Klopp himself, the players, 
we'll be looking at Man City as the, the real threat, and that's no disrespect to Leicester City. I think what they've done is phenomenal, um, and I think as, as Fergal and, and Kizzy have both pointed out, you know, Vardy's in the Vardy's in the form of his life, and I include that time when he was uh, winning the title for him or helping them win the title. But I think if anyone is going to stop Liverpool, you would expect it to be Man City, and I think what happened last season is going to it's going to weigh that way on uh, Liverpool's minds because City have been there before; they've won it back to back. And they've done it with sort of record points. Okay, that's you know going to be difficult this time. I think you know you've already lost. So City have already lost four games. Sorry, but when it comes to the business end of the season, City will know how to handle it. And okay, you can argue well Leicester have won the league as well, but that was a different mm. Leicester team than the one we see now. This City team, other than Vincent Company not being there, is more or less the same. So I don't think I mean Liverpool fans or Liverpool may act like oh yeah it's done us a favour. I don't think it has. I think the smart money would be on a top two of City and Liverpool. And it pains me to say, I mean, there's no winner for me in this situation. But I think this time, finally, after 30 years, it, it looks yeah, like it's going to be Liverpool's year. There's only 19 games gone. Like 18, 19. Eight, well, they played 17. Yeah. Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 18 games the 10 gone. 10 points clear. Which... But, but we've we've already left it too late. I think, City, the, I think the game at Anfield was the one, wasn't yeah. it? That was yeah. the, the one. We, we all said we, that. We've lost, we've lost silly games. Yeah, like not winning at Newcastle, losing to Norwich, they're the games, and then we had to get a point. Well, at I, least I, I think the one glimmer of hope uh, for any Manchester City fans is that Liverpool's next game is Boxing Day against Leicester City. Yeah, and if anybody, and we already saw them run them close earlier in Very the season. Very unlucky, weren't it? Yeah, um, earlier in the season. Very unlucky. So that could change it, and obviously as well, like you know, the travel differences. You've got to bear in mind uh, Liverpool coming back from Qatar. Um, uh, whereas Leicester had to travel back from Manchester, and given the uh, Christmas travel schedule, we know who's had the easiest journey there. Let's <laughs> let's just talk very briefly about <laughs> Liverpool. So they they didn't obviously play in the Premier League because they had this uh, FIFA Club World Championship game against Flamenco. Um, they they won that game, which makes them the world champions, which again is going to be very difficult for you as a United fan. Well, they're only one behind us, which worries me that. I'll be honest with you, you know, they've won it half as many times as we have, which yeah. is very good for them. Yeah. I, um, I and I'm looking over my shoulder like I'm in league titles. I well. can't have, I can't even have an opinion on this because we haven't even got close at City. To, well, to be fair, to but, be fair, like, as, as a City fan myself, just uh, declining interest, uh, Liverpool have only won as many cups this year as we as City have now. Yeah. yeah so. To be honest, and this sounds so bitter and it's it's not meant Mate, to. Embrace the bitterness. It's not meant to. It's, <laughs> it's the World Charity Shield. It wouldn't be it? Christmas without no, it. I, they, you know what? They I, just won the Charity Shield. No, I watched, I watched the tournament and actually I, and I watched most of the games in the right. tournament and I was really impressed with it. And I think that has potential. And I know there's a lot yeah. of football already and I don't know how it will fit in, but there was something about, I, I don't know how much of the games you watched, but there was no Mickey Mouse teams in this, no. in this tournament, and at least in the semi-finals and the, fi- the semi-final, all I, four teams there were very high quality. I, I would say this again, I would say it. Um, I'd find it very galling if we phoned in uh, a League Cup game for that, because I genuinely think that Liverpool's, not second team, but a weakened Liverpool team could have won that Club World Cup and they'd still be in the League Cup. I just, I find it a little bit jarring that a team that, yes, won the Champions League and have won the Super Cup and all this this other thing, they've won one trophy under Klopp. And the League Cup, we know this from City, we've won it four in the last six, is a very easy trophy to win. It's You win five games and you've won a trophy. And it, yeah, for, for me... That that so, I find it a little bit jarring okay. that for a team that yeah they won the Champions League and the the top of the league by a mile would phone in 
a trophy in England to go and win that. But now, I would say that. All right, you would say that. So to Fergal, as 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 the kind of a neutral in in this scenario, and I know you 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 uh, steady. You, yeah, you have you have a team interest, but to be honest, we'll get onto them later. They're not doing very well this season. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wow. two steps away from saying, you know, they're, they're uh, yeah. not terrible. But, no one but cares. With, with an overview wow. as, a, as a football journalist, do you think that by by doing that, not just for the for the, um, the League Cup. Cup, but also by sending a full strength team to that, do you think that's Liverpool um, taking advantage of their gap lead at the top of the league? And going, well, it's all right, we can afford to drop a few points if our players are tired from travelling back from Qatar. Uh, no, I don't think they're looking at this being a, a knock-on to the league. And I, I take what Adam's saying about the, the merits of the Club World Cup and, and whether it should be, you know, outweigh the League Cup. I think the only criticism, which is, is the definitive criticism here, is that Klopp's mismanaged his balance between the two squads. Yeah, FIFA came out and said that this is not like the Champions League where you have to be in the city mm. 24 hours before kickoff. Feasibly, Liverpool Football Club could have chartered a jet from, from John Lennon or from Manchester to have six first-team players back for the Villa game, don't play them in the, in the semi-final and play them in the final, or even potentially have them on the bench in the semi-final mm. to bring them on. But I think Liverpool's uh, um, favouring of the Club World Cup, if you will, I think it, it just demonstrates where football is and, and where policymakers are, are making decisions on where clubs are being directed towards. Mm. The people that make decisions at Liverpool Football Club will have probably sat down and said, look, the FA are not playing ball in terms of moving the Carabao Cup game, whether we agree with that or we disagree with that. And they will have said, look, that badge on the shirt of, of FIFA Club World Cup champions and the fact of being able to call ourselves World Cup champions and the fact that all of those... Um, variables at play that will have won the day I don't yeah. you know I, I don't think Klopp gave up on the League Cup I mm. think Klopp's hands were tied I think the club were able to say blame the FA mm. whereas Liverpool fans I've spoken to Liverpool fans and they've said we wanted to spread it across the two if we could that's where this has all fallen down for them in terms of the League Cup Villa weren't even particularly good No, and the team that, that Liverpool put out wasn't the under 21s or the under 23s it was under under 18s and the, the one thing that wound me up and you talk about this chart flights why wasn't Klopp there? Why? Yeah. Uh, or even me, Linders. Sorry, I was going to say, because he, he's, he's given Linders the League Cup game. Linders managed the Arsenal game. I, so I then, if that's it. his project for the season, you've also taken it off him and well, given it to Neil Why? Pritchard. As As a football manager, and like you said, in football, you can pull a flight out of anywhere and get it sent. Yeah. Why couldn't Klopp turn up to the, the Villa game, <clears throat> manage it, Get on a flight, and the next morning he's back in. Qatar. We have seen we have seen Wolverhampton Wanderers playing in Europe, and they've had a specially chartered jet which has cryo facilities yeah. on the plane for them. So that they're, 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 when they're flying back, that they're, they're not losing time in terms of the recovery from the game. So and and Liverpool are. I don't think it's an argument. Liverpool are, are more resources as a club, yeah. so so they go in there. The, the, let's just put that to the side. The only thing I'm going to say on that is, um, in terms of that disrespect to competitions. It's only like maybe 10, 12 years ago uh, when we were first saying, oh, was it was it one of Pardew's teams or Allardyce's team? You're disrespecting by uh, by saving your players for the league and not yeah. running out. Uh, the, and, the and it's become is, acceptable now, has he, it? He referred to it as being almost that they gave up. Klopp almost said that they knew they weren't going to beat Villa. What's that about? I got to say, I got to say that the, the the Villa management did go into the dressing room yeah, afterwards good, and shook hands and, and encouraged the no, kids. It's not great like, for you youngsters, though, not, is it? Getting battered. This is an argument that. Do you know what I mean? Um, Come on. I I put on Twitter that when City did it against Chelsea in the FA Cup, 
We put out the under-18s, got beat 5-1. Um, and that was because there was like three games that week and there was no way. And, and for that got first 40 minutes, and was, none, of, was not, none bad. of those players have gone anywhere. That's not good for you. Getting beat 5-0 on your first team debut... It's not fun, is it? No. Uh, they're, they're not going to... I'm just aware that this is not the uh, yeah. Champions League or the World yeah. Club League yeah. or the yeah. Carabao That's Cup true. review show. It's a Premier <laughs> League show. So let's move on. We've we just, just gone through three competitions. Yeah, just, <laughs> they're still going to win the league. Uh, we talk, we, we talked about Villa just then. Bad day for Villa. Uh, Very. One, Mate. Uh, they went down 3-1 at home to Southampton. Southampton. Now, Danny Ings is on fire. Uh, outside of the top six, I never thought I'd outside hear that. of the top six, he's the most informed striker. He's doing lots of the goals, but <laughs> McGinn's out till McGinn's out. For yeah, months so and so that du- doubly bad as well. So uh, especially for me, I mean, my my fantasy team was pretty good this week, but it's now taking a hammering because I've lost Son and I've also McGinn. lost McGinn as well. M- McGinn has been excellent for them. The same way as that Grealish has. Grealish scored yesterday. Great volley at the end, McGin- but th- sadly not enough. Yeah, McGinn's been wonderful. There's, there's no, there's no coincidence that he's been linked to United. He's been linked to these oh, these bigger he's clubs. Asked to go to but yeah. he is, he's a very good player, and he kind of holds that midfield together. And I, I worry for Villa that without him. And getting beat three one at home, Southampton isn't great going into. I mean, the, it, the, they were ahead of Southampton purely on goal difference. Yeah, it's and it's one of those games where you you can't lose that at home going into this this period where four losses and a draw in the last five games. Yeah, as it's well. bad. It's bad news, and and I really like Dean Smith, but they could be in real real trouble. I think the situation with McGinn and 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 these games, this is in, this is where Villa are, and and Adams nailed it there. Dean Smith, I like him. Dean Smith's a nice fella. Oh, I like what Villa are doing. None of those things keep you in the Premier League. And yeah. I ultimately think all of these things mesh together are probably the reason why I think at this stage they're going to go down. Because we can talk about the nice football they play. Oh, you know, we like Grealish. John McGinn, obviously, now he's out injured, but people have got a lot of positive things to say about him. Tyro Mings, again, people are positive about him, but he's, he's out for another month with an injury. These are not comments you make about a side that you're confident of either getting out of a relegation battle or even driving their way up the table. Mm. Consistently, these are the types of results that are happening to Villa. Mm. Nice bit of football, promising attacks, they keep the ball well, but ultimately when the proverbial hits the fan, you've got someone like Ings. If someone like Ings was in Villa's team, we could be talking about a completely different Villa situation. Consistency, numbers and scoring goals and putting in performances when it matters are ultimately what keep you in the Premier League and Villa can dress it up however they want. They don't have those things. It's very cliched, isn't it? But when you're in that position, 18th, you need to beat the sides definitely below you. Mm. In- interesting and as well that it's bad. That even after the, the hammering they got uh, to Leicester City at home, mm. Southampton have kept faith with Hassan Hootel and possibly have been proved right in that. Do you know what? I, this, we're being very negative about Villa. But fair play to Southampton and in, in keeping him, because it, other sides and would have panicked. Other sides would have panicked and got rid after that that nine nil, because that's just what what game we're in here. They've stuck with him because he's obviously getting something out of them. He's getting he, Danny Ings to to score every week, and he his side on paper, it's not not great. There was a sense though, and we've spoken about this on the podcast a few times that. Players hadn't down tools for him. No, he hadn't lost yeah, the belief. Yeah, yeah. He hadn't lost the dressing room. And he not obviously the people upstairs believed in him, but it looked like the players 
I know this sounds a bit of an odd thing to say when they were absolutely hammered at home, but there were mitigating circumstances. I think yeah, got sent yeah. off, and yeah, yeah. you know, it wasn't like the the, the it wasn't they like he lost. Up. They hadn't give up. They hadn't no. lost a dressing room where you start looking at it and going. And, and Leicester City are a very good side. Yeah, a very good side, and they had one of those nights where they were just on fire throughout the team. It happens. Yeah, it happens, and also. The one sort of saving grace with Southampton, one of the things at the bottom that teams struggle with, and Villa are finding it now in terms of is it Wesley, whose goals have dried up, dried up yeah, yeah, yeah. is Ings, he's banging him in for fun. And if you, you don't even need to be banging him for fun, just have a goal scorer, someone yeah. who can score goals, because that is one of the most difficult things at the bottom is, you know, when Pookie stops going for Norwich, yeah. who was picking up the slack yeah. there? No one. And it was like, then that's when they got themselves in all sorts of trouble. And now Villa you know, having a similar situation, whereas at Southampton, if you've got someone who can put the ball in the back of the net and you've got a manager who tactically knows what he's doing and can motivate the players, you've got a fighting chance. And that's what we're seeing with Southampton. Is it, what, three wins out of five? They've got a fighting chance. Yeah, that that kind of brings us on nicely to a team who everybody predicted bad things for. Uh, There wasn't much love for them, but three wins in five games... And just three points off a European spot for Newcastle United now. <laughs> and speaking of goal scorers, first Yay! goal on the 27th attempt for a very popular football in Almiron. And what a hug uh, he gave was, that the ball yeah, boy. That celebration's great. He, he's like a kid where he scores, <laughs> he, he goes go. to run to the Gallagher, <laughs> he turns round, he runs to oh. the ball boy. And do, do you know what? Um, and you know what? Fair play. The Newcastle fans have all st- stood by him where he's the most expensive footballer they've ever bought and he hasn't scored in 27 games. Yeah. That's And it obviously shows that he's doing other things right, but Newcastle have dug themselves out of a massive hole. Yeah. They're, they're playing all right football. I think, it's, I think it's the first time that Steve Bruce has got one over uh, Hodgson you, as you well. You know what? Steve Bruce, again, not a sexy appointment for Newcastle. N- not one that would have excited many, but he's, he's got them very stable. They're winning some games. They're winning the games they should, they need to win to stay up and fair plays they're, they're staying up now there's no way they can go down uh, you, you can have that later on yeah, well they've got you next so there's another three points yeah that's yeah. <laughs> um, yeah are we worried about Palace um, I mean at the minute it's, it still seems that, that Zaha is the thing although Cahill has done a lot at the back yeah. for them they also really changed them as a team they also don't have a striker who scores goals and that <sighs> it's another one of those where somebody said on the podcast it might be New Fergal that they're in real danger of dropping like a stone um, but to be honest, they're getting the odd win. It's one of those. Do you know, that- I think though, with me, for me, I get where you're coming from, and I think we spoke about this last time I was on about Palace. But with Roy Hodgson, you just think, yeah. they're, and they're winning the odd game. Is he going to get relegated? Yeah, no. And there's likely it. to be either three worse teams or three more naive teams. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's Villa. They're already on yeah. twenty odd yeah. points, yeah, I agree. I and think- they, they'll be okay. But Palace fans didn't go into the season thinking relegation battle. There's no way. Yeah couple more games we've got to rattle through because we're tight on time um i don't even want to talk about the everton and arsenal game good yesterday yeah that's um because people that saw that i spent time to that i've lost enough of their life force and energy. <laughs> it, was, it was basically a friendly yeah notable for the fact that ancelotti was announced an hour before uh oh, is, is that exciting do we think Ancel- i mean ancelotti's got pedigree we've got to give him that is, is he arguably the the most high profile manager everton have ever had Definitely, I think. Yeah. I think without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, everyone's always quick to say, I, "No offense," but when they're speaking to Everton fans or they're speaking about the appointment, this is enormous news. Yeah. Real Madrid, AC Milan, and now Everton. Um, I just think there's there's arguments to be made whether it's the right style of appointment. Not that it's an issue with him as a manager per se, but in terms of what they need, in terms of what we've seen 
the types of things that Ferguson has whipped up in them. I'm not advocating for Ferguson to get the job. Um, this has to work for Everton uh, and it has to really work. The amount of money being ploughed into his contract, into the transfer market that he'll be asking for, into the new stadium, all of these things have to work. Or in the next 18 months, two years, Everton could have a real problem. I'm hopeful that he will improve them, drive them up the table. But he, he said in his first interview that he's going to be aiming for the Champions League. Of course, he's going to say these things in his first interview. That squad needs major surgery if they're to be a Champions League side. I love this. and I love this appointment. Because it's really ambitious. People don't like it. I've I've seen a lot of the media saying that, oh what what are they doing? The all they're doing is is getting in a big money move. They're not they're getting one of the, the steadiest and coolest operators in the game. And it it's a huge like Fergal said, this is a huge deal that he's gone to Everton. He could easily have, have gone to any club. He could have gone to Arsenal, I imagine, if they wanted him, but He's gone to Everton and he's gone for a project job. This is a guy who's won is it three Champions Leagues. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a one four of the best. Well. He's one of the best in the game, and it reminds me a lot of when City got Mancini. In. It, it was such a level above the last manager we had. Hughes we went from Hughes to Mancini, and they've gone from a really stuttering Marco Silva to this guy who is revered by everybody as one of the best in football. And I hope I don't. As a City fan, I'm, I'm not Everton's biggest fan, but I I like it and I hope it works because it's shown ambition. They could have, like lots of teams, including Everton, have done, gone very safe, gone for someone who we always see, a lazy appointment, and they've gone, you know what, let's have a real go at this. And I hope they back him. And let, It's one of those from an outsider's point of view. It's going to be interesting to see if it can work. I'm not even that, that surprised. People sort of... You know, I know Everton haven't haven't had a lot of success. To, is an understatement in recent years, but they're still a big club, and I don't. And you yeah. know, they've still got a lot of ambition. They still spend a lot of money. They've still got a lot of history, and I don't think you know leaving Napoli. I know we got starts going to Everton. He's a massive step down. Um, and I just as an aside, one interesting fact in the Arsenal game was that. Yeah, again, Duncan Ferguson subbed the substitute, which I thought yeah. was, was... For Keane. He <laughs> yeah. brought Keane on. Which is just like, you sub. know, like his little legacy there, back-to-back subbing do you, the subs. Do you think he did it at the end just for a bit of, like, retribution? And because, <laughs> uh, and because quite rightfully, he's in the coaching staff now for Ancelotti. And he's kind of gone, I've really messed up last week, yeah. haven't yeah. I? Keane's me mate. I love I, Keane. I, I've really messed up, so... Have you, seen, have you seen the video that's been going around on social media as well of when he was signed because... Uh, Moiskin's mum came over and they even got him a shirt oh, yeah, and said, yeah. Mammy. And they said, we will look the after oh, your son. Horrible, and yeah. I, I think Ferguson, yeah. in the back of his mind, and people will say it's not obvious, it is. He's brought Tosin on and he's gone, oh, Keane's still on the bench. We're, this game's rubbish. <laughs> yeah. May as well make a sub. And, oh no, I'm in the coaching staff. Ke- yeah, Keane, you're yeah. on yeah. for the sub. And now it's and then, all no, okay. It's like, yeah, I've yeah. not just picked on Moise Keane. I'm really I'm sorry. It, you know, this is what I he do. He may as well have said when he brought him on. Look, uh, I'm really sorry. Three games <laughs> to still cover off. We're going to have to go through these really, really quickly. <laughs> They're all um, uh, no, no, well, Nor- 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 Norwich again showing that they can play some good football, but they can't see a game out. Going down 2-1 at home to Wolves. They've not won at home since they beat Man City. Yeah, but uh, that's always going to happen. I think, it's, I think it's naivety again with them, as it is with Villa. Um... Good players, that's a Cantwell, as Jay said before. Pookie can get a goal, but he's probably not going to be able to string it out over a whole season. Uh, and that's exactly what happened here, and it's happened to them a few times. Go in front, show, they show the hand so early in terms of the way yeah. they play. And Wolves, you know, let's not mess around. Wolves are canny operators. They've 
they've kind of broken this Europa League qualifying rounds uh, hex so far this season to get themselves back into into the conversation for qualifying for Europe this season. And they're just a really good side. If you, if you strip this away and you go newly promoted, relegated side, Team A, against impressive Europa League, consistent, experienced, full of international side, Team B, then coming back and winning the game wouldn't really be that much of a surprise. And, and I'm, not, I'm not surprised at all. They're in so much trouble, yeah. Norwich. They, it's going to take a miracle for them to stay up, I think, at this point. Yeah, they beat us and they played really well in the first few games. But like Fergal said, what they do is so obvious. Yeah. Wendy is a very good player. Pookie's good. Campwell's good. But they've got a lot of, like, I want to say nice players. Like, nice to watch. Wendy but that's the issue it. again. Yeah, yeah, they're not clinical. Yeah, naive is the word you use. Yeah, it's nice. He's spot on, I mean... Just like when we played him, I think we missed two penalties and still managed to score three yeah. goals. You know, yeah. it's it's so obvious, and they, they haven't got a plan B, and they can't sort of defend when they need to defend. And it's almost like watching men against boys, really, yeah. to use a proper cliche. They're on twelve points, same as Watford, just off the bottom, courtesy of uh, goal difference minus eighteen versus minus twenty-one. A team that might be sucked into all that, uh, moving closer and closer to it. Their fifth defeat in six, Bournemouth. Uh, going down to a late goal uh, from Jay Rodriguez for Burnley, uh, 1-0. Uh, Burnley uh, sniffing at the coattails of Manchester United. They're just a point behind United. Mm, yeah, the Al Derby, isn't it? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I mean, um, yeah, with the mid-table then, if they're just behind us, basically. <laughs> Is that what all that means? Which I suppose if you're a Burnley fan, top 10, you're happy with. Um, Bournemouth, I think we're, we were talking about them last time I was on, it was like they, they, they were on a horrible run. They then got that, um, was it Chelsea they beat? Yeah. When yeah. they got that big result and everyone was like, oh yeah, Eddie Howe will turn it around. I've always said with Bournemouth, I think they have got resources. January's here. If they do want to sign someone, they probably can when other teams around them can't, if they, they decide to go down that route. And again, it's similar to Hodgson. I know I'm sort of simplifying this, but do I think Eddie Howe will get relegated? No. I think the, I think they're fine, but... That's, again, that's basically again with there. like what what did they want out of this season? It's not getting dragged into this. It's trying yeah. to get above tenth, and it's it's I don't know. Bournemouth are one of those teams where they will beat Chelsea, they'll beat a United, they'll beat a Liverpool, but then they'll lose there's four or five in a row. The, yeah. There's still only five points off that. It's still mid season. Uh, yeah. Final game this season and knocking around there as well. Brighton. Uh, uh, Graham Potter's done such a wonderful job there this season. It surprises me Good to boy. see them. They're down, got 13th uh, in, in the table. Uh, going down at home to Sheffield United, who hold that fifth spot Unreal. for Christmas. Uh, what My favourite thing about uh, Chris Wilder, actually, is even when they do that, they pull out a, a great result, a good game, they get the win, and his post-match, he's still talking about all the things that he wants to improve upon. They, I really like they that. They had 30% possession yesterday. Sheffield United, United. away at Brighton, and they did them on the counter. And what he's doing away from home, the unbeaten away from home this Uh, season. I think so, yeah. This this season, they're they're unbeaten away from home, which scares me because we've got them next week at home. But they set up in a way that... we, We were talking with some friends at the game yesterday... They set up in a way that will probably managers will probably have to work it out next year, but Wilder seems like the kind of guy who's already got his second plan. They're... Their style of play is so much better than I could have ever imagined. Not knowing what they played like, thinking that they were going to be a bit scrappy. They're the brilliant to watch. And it, it is a credit that someone like Chris Wilder, 
a bit in the Dean Smith mould as fan, mm. manager, is doing so well. And the shackles are off them. There's no yeah. pressure. They're staying up. They may as well just, just carry on and have a go. Yeah, they... do, you, do, do you know what I think his secret is? I, mm. I found out this week that when he was a player, he was a bit of, bit of a reputation for his diet. And one of his favourite meals to have at the training ground was a combination of two things that most people like but will <laughs> never put together. Chris Wilder, as a player, apparently used to eat cake and chips. On the same plate? On the same plate at the same time. That's what? I take thing. back everything I've just said about <laughs> Chris Wilder. And cake and chips? Well, like like a chocolate cake? or It doesn't matter. Yeah, like, just try it over Christmas. Let's is see. it like instead of the filling, you put chips? Yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Did, he, did he take it to bits? So it's a sweet... Mean like an actual cake, this isn't a fancy yeah. word for a chip bar or something. A sweet like chip cake. butty. That I, I'm gonna let you. Grease? Were you dipping the Were you dipping the chips I, in I, the ice? I wasn't doing this. This can we this, do a full podcast? You seem to know a lot about this. <laughs> I I was about to say I'd love to go for a pint with Chris Wilder, but I can't go for a pint with him because he's going to ask for chips and a cake. Together. You could go for a cake and chips with him. I could go for. A, I don't want to go to a chippy with that him. That could be the next hipster restaurant. Like Sheffield, Sheffield could be seeing a lot of this if he keeps doing well. Forget cereal if he cafes. Gets them into your cake, cake imagine, and chips cafe. Like you had Ranieri and they were giving away Pizza. pizzas and, and Italian beers at the games when they had that great season. If Sheffield United keep going the way they are, you could be getting, you know, a cakey chip pie. Maybe he that said it just for a joke, just so that does happen. No, but what? this is apparently when he was a player. You can't argue with it. This we're going to need another podcast. This is my, like, did he, yeah. did he go through the motions of going, you know what? These chips are good. On that bombshell, sweet. Yeah. we're going to have to leave it. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> to my three esteemed chefs that have joined me Fergal Brennan <laughs> thank you very much uh, Jay Mottishead and Thanks. Adam Keweth uh, I'm Matt McGinley that was the Football Social Daily Premier League Review Show as ever we have a daily Premier League podcast and that's every day except Christmas Day uh, you can catch up on all the latest goings on all 20 Premier League teams and you can always catch up on the latest news on your own team simply ask your Alexa device to enable Sports Social Football Social Daily Premier League Review with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.